Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Battle Alliance Pro Evan Preparis. I got a guest with me on the line. Before we get to him, though, quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Aurora Heated Apparel. If you're following OCRWC, you saw me giving away Aurora Heated jackets and vests all four days. So four days, four giveaways. And then on top of that, uh, they were a sponsor for OCR Everest. If you haven't seen that documentary, head over to YouTube and type OCR Everest and see for my 2022 charity fundraiser. Big fan of Aurora. They've been uh, partnered with me slash the stuff I've been doing since 2020 when we first used them for OCR America too. So great, great product, heated apparel, jackets, vests, gloves. Uh, One of my favorite things for that is, one, it's great for pre-race, and then you can pass it off to your pit crew, and they can wear it for some of the ultra OCRs. And then uh, when the race is over, you can pick it up and put it back on and stay warm. All right, let's get to our guest today. So joining me, I've got Zach Wisnowski. Zach, say hi. How you doing? Good, good. On. You know, I, I've known you like kind of in passing for, for a couple of years now. And when you sent over your bio, I was just like, oh, my goodness. I mean, you've been racing so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read through some of, some of the highlights real quick, and then we're going to start talking a little bit more about why we brought him on today. But he's done over 300 races since 2010. That includes uh, you know, 74 Ultras. 39 of those are Ultra OCRs, which 20 of them being Spartan Ultra Beasts. He's done World Stuff Motor five times. He did the Spartan, Spartan Iceland World Championship, the 24-hour one, uh, two times, both times that they held it. 20 Trail 50Ks, 10 uh, Trail 50-milers, 4 Trail 100Ks, and he's done Endurance Society's Infinitus 100-miler. And then also the owner of atlasenduranctraining.net. And uh, I was just right before we That's brought it. this. Yeah, right before we started this podcast, I was just kind of perusing your website. And you've got pictures of like a bunch of your medals on there. Is that a display for every year? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was always my thing pretty much since uh, maybe 2014 when I started doing more races every year. And I had like a pile. I would do like a race recap of the year. I have an Excel sheet that tracks all my race miles, all my races, and all the vert. So, like, at the end of the year, I'll do a recap to kind oh, of just cool. show off a little bit. But, yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. I love that. I like I like numbers. I think they're really interesting. I do something similar. Uh don't have my vert recorded um, because I don't do that much vert. So, it would be very unimpressive. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I really like the pictures you have of, like, here's all the medal, all the race medals and all the accomplishments you know, the different bibs from World's Toughest and uh, Spartan Ultra Beast that you do every year. I think that's really cool and a nice uh, way to kind of close out the year. Yeah, yeah, it's always it's always cool when the, the year comes to an end and you look back and you're like, wow, I did do a lot of stuff. I traveled all over the place. I put a lot of miles on my body and uh, makes you start thinking about the next year. Try to up the ante like a gambler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's a slippery slope. You, uh... Yeah, trust me, I know <laughs> that the addiction is real, as you can see. Yeah, that's crazy. So I want to we we want to spend most of the episode talking about tactical games, uh, but you were also at OCR World Championships in 2014. So we're going to touch on that a little bit at the end of the episode. Uh, before we get into the tactical games, though, what you know, tell me a little bit about your athletic background, just to give some of our listeners an idea of who you are and kind of how you got into OCR and then uh, fell into deeper into ultra. All right. Uh, well, so I started working out. Actually, how about this? When I was a little kid, my dad had a gym in our basement, 
and he had like a universal machine and he had all these posters of like uh, the Coors Light girls and stuff. So I would always go down in the gym, look at the posters, but also I'd, I'd like go on the treadmill, I'd ride the bike. So really I started being interested in working out from as, as long as I could remember. But I really started working out when I was in freshman year of high school. And it wasn't even for a sport, but I ended up playing football one year. I wrestled another year, but I really fell in love with just training. I just was obsessed with just lifting weights, running a little bit. I didn't really start running until after high school, but I was always in the weight room, always working out at home. I bought a Smith machine and I had like a punching bag. So I've always just been into fitness in general, but never really a specific sport until I found OCR pretty much. Gotcha. And then did you, did, did like the ultra, did you get the ultra bug bite you first or the OCR bug bite you first and that pulled you into ultra? So uh, actually the way I found OCR was uh, my uh, coworker sent me an email in 2010 for Tough Mudder. There wasn't even an event yet. It was the first like advertisements for Tough Mudder. And in that same email was the Spartan death race. And I watched the videos for both, and I was like, all right, the death race, that, like, seems crazy with the Rubik's Cube and carrying, like, a mountain bike. I think Joe Young Pack was in, like, the videos for all those. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for a Tough Mudder. So I did for 2010. And then in the lead-up for that, I started running, and I found, like, some local 5K OCRs. Like, I think it was, like, Merrill Down and Dirty and Run Amok. So I started doing, like, the – 5k races maybe 10k and then it built up to that uh tough mutter so that was that first year but what really like got me obsessed was in my senior year of high school my best friend ended up dying of cancer mm. and he wanted to climb everest and i ended up i have his ashes in a vial that i actually carry on some races with me so like to get me out of the depression after his passing that's when I started really working out a lot. And then around the same time, I found that Tough Mudder. And then that like became, all right, we're getting out of the depression. We're getting out of like feeling bad about everything and like transferring all that negative energy into training, basically. So then um, I started following Billy Richards in, I don't know, 2013, 2014. And he was running ultras. And I didn't even know about them. And around the same time, that's when the BFX started in Battle Frog, which kind of was the slippery slope for me to get into ultras. I was like, I want to do a, a BFX. And that was like the gateway to do. I think I did my first marathon distance in the BFX. And then I saw Billy doing 50Ks. And then that's what got me into that. So he's kind of the, he's kind of the catalyst that got me into 50, uh, to ultras is Billy. <laughs> Yeah, we're b- big friends of Billy Richards here on the podcast. Yeah. We've had him he's on. A legend. Yeah, he, he's so funny. Um, I I know I've who, people who have been listening for a long time have heard this story, but so when he was trying to do the, all the hundred milers in a year, he flew out, and I I was like, yeah, I'll pick you up from the airport. I'll take you to the race, and I'll even pace you for the last twenty to forty miles. I ended up pacing yeah. the last like forty miles, but so I picked this dude. I pick up Billy at the airport. He had done a hundred mile the week before. And I don't know how many up to that point yet, like 20 or something that for that calendar year. Yeah. And, uh, the guest rooms in the basement. And I'm like, yeah, your, your rooms in the basement, you know? Uh, and he's walking down the stairs and he can barely make it down the stairs. And I'm like, this dude's going to run a hundred miles tomorrow. He's out of his mind. It's crazy, man. 
And then we wake he, up the next And then he did. <laughs> he did. Yeah. So we yeah. wake up the next morning and he's like, oh, I just want to stop at the gas station real quick. Um, and I'm like, yeah, no problem. And he goes in and buys like, I swear, like three, like two, two or four, um, like uh, bang energy drinks. Yeah. And a couple of five hour energy drinks. And he like slams several of them. And I was like, yeah. I was like, this, I was like, I, I barely, I, I know Billy from like social media mostly. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, Billy's going to have a fucking heart attack in my car. <laughs> and I was like, and then I'm going to have to explain why there's a dead uh, endurance athlete like driving yeah. around with me. But he, uh, he's wild. Him and I have been friends for a while. We actually went to Iceland together uh, for that ultra championship and world's toughest. We traveled together another year. So I've I've definitely seen him at like you think he's destroyed his like toenails are peeling off his feet are like peeling off and he's still going. I'm like, dude, how are you still going? Like your body is wrecked and he's just he just bites down on the mouthpiece and keeps going. It's it's insane. Yeah, the mind is uh, mind is incredible. It's, yeah, it can over yeah. override a lot of the the body. Yeah, he is um, a one in a once in a lifetime uh, ultra guy. <laughs> Uh, so you, you mentioned earlier about uh, uh, the loss of your your friend there. Any any sim- any advice you have for someone that may be going through a kind of a tough time? Um, um, well, uh, just it's kind of like the same with doing an ultra. You know, there'll be highs and lows, just like in life, and uh, it's always going to get better. You know, you it could be you could be down on your luck, and just everything is against you, but just there's another day there's tomorrow is always a new day and you just bad times never last as cliche as it sounds, but yeah, uh, you just have to find something like a hobby or something to keep your mind off of it and find new purpose. I love it. I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that with the audience. I think, uh, that's yeah, valuable. Definitely. Um, definitely. so I ran into you at bone frog. The final bone frog was what it looks like. Cause I'm getting yes. emails that they're selling all of their merchandise and everything must yes. go. So I'm pretty sure Bone Frog is done. Um, and you were like, Evan, you should do the tactical games. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested, but it's also kind of expensive and uh, kind of like work. So um, let's start at the beginning. Like, what is the tactical games for, for some of us who may not be tracking all the details? So tactical games, the way I usually describe it is – if you had mixed CrossFit competition in with a shooting competition, it's basically like a, a love child between the two. It, it is a two-day event, so you are out there. I mean, it's a full it's full eight to ten hours Saturday and Sunday, so it's a long weekend. Wow! And yeah. take us take us through some of the events that uh, are typical. Or is there like a standard, kind of like how DECA or Hyrox is, or is it like uh, a little more like, no. well, today we're doing this, tomorrow we're doing that? And, uh, yeah, pretty much. So for tactical games, they like you to be prepared for anything. They don't want you to – once everybody starts getting good at one thing, they change the next event. Like you might not even see any of those things at the next event. So first off, uh, for each tactical games, you are going to have a uh, five five six rifle, most people have AR-15s for the competition. I've seen like Steerogs and uh, FN Scars and stuff like that. But usually people have AR-15s. And then uh, your sidearm could be a 9mm or a 45, but that's kind of expensive to shoot a 45 for uh, that competition. Uh, 
250 rounds for each caliber for the weekend. So, you know, besides buying your, your firearms and then ammunition, you know, it gets a little pricey to uh, jump into it. Um, and during the whole competition, you are wearing your plate carrier. It doesn't have to be real plates. It can be weight, weighted plates, but it has to be, I think, 15 pounds for men. And I don't know what the women weight, 12, I don't know. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so the, so the event, you're wearing your plate carrier. You have a holster. The gun comes with you during the event. There's... Their events are broken down into these things called battles. So on Saturday, you have three battles. Sunday is three battles. And then there's a, like a bonus event each day, which is called the aggregate or a floater. So um, let's see. So on Saturday, a battle, usually they have a long movement battle, which would be you start out with your rifle and you're shooting out to could be up to 400 yards or even further. And then you'll do a couple close pistol segments, and then you go for like a three to five mile run with your full kit. Mm. So that will be one battle. Um, the second one could be something where you have a, uh, let's say, a sandbag. You start on one side of the range. You have to pick up your sandbag. You might have to do cleans with it, and then you'll carry your sandbag to the firing line, and then you'll have a certain shooting sequence that you'll have to do. Uh, it could be at a barrier. It could be weak side or strong side stance. It could be laying or kneeling. And then you'll bring your sandbag back, do another workout sequence, then go back to the firing line and do more shooting. So each battle is like a short workout, and it's time capped. Each one is like capped at 10 to 15 minutes. So it's intense. I mean, it's an all-out effort. You yeah. are totally gassed at the end of each battle. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it gets pretty intense. Doing that short and that intensive of a workout is, is to me, in my opinion, is worse, right, than doing like more of yeah. endurance stuff. Because you exactly you just have to redline super hard, and then um, you get that like yeah. adrenaline dump, and then it's like, all right, well now I gotta kind of rest and recover because the next battle's coming up in yeah, and however long. And it's intense because you know usually people that if you're not in military or police with your firearm, you're never full heart rate. Yeah. red lined uh you're usually sh- shooting you know not next to somebody else shooting like that so intense so it's i mean it's to get into it it i would say you know take a while learning your gun and safety because it is when your mind is racing and you're in race brain you need to be safe yeah you will get kicked out if you break one, the 180 rule of you know if you flag anybody with your firearm you're out right. like they don't they don't play around all right, nor should they, nor should they. Yeah, but any, um, any limits on like the optics? Like, can you show up with, uh, like EOTechs or ACOG? Like, basically scopes. Of- yeah. So a lot of people uh have the um, LVPO, uh, optics by Vortex. Um, some people have EOTechs. I ran an EOTech at my first one. Uh, you could have a red dot. The only thing is, you can't change your optic. Like there's the check-in on Friday, and they check your firearm, and you're not supposed to change anything on it. Got it. Through the weekend, so what you get, um, that's it. And then there's different categories that you could compete in. So there's intermediate, which you cannot have a optic on your pistol. 
then there's a tactical uh, group and you can run an optic on your pistol. Then there's elite, and I don't think elite can run uh, an optic on their pistol. But the difference between each of those uh, groups is the weights. So like you do power cleans and intermediate might be doing like 95 pound power cleans. Tactical might be doing like 125 and elite might be doing 145. So mm -hmm. that would be the dis uh, difference between each one. You're still doing the same workout, but sandbags will be heavier. Implements will be heavier. It's almost like you do a lot of like strongman type stuff. There's yokes that you'll have to carry, uh, sled drags. Uh, you'll carry a huffle stone, which is from strongman. Uh, farmers carries, overhead carries, zercher carries. Yeah. Cool. Sounds really cool. I know I was watching uh, some highlights fun. on uh, Corinna Coffin when she was doing tactical games earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, and then she got hurt, like doing something super. Simple. I think she jumped over a wall and just landed. Yeah, it was a, it was an obstacle course. She uh, it, so what she did was actually the the floater or aggregate where it's like the bonus event. So she actually hurt herself, like you know, not in a regular battle. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's so weird how yeah. you know some of us have done some of these movements so many times and then like it's just weird one day you know so claude got boot when she got hurt it's basically she was jumping over wall what well, no plate carrier but at the battle frog yeah. tv series and like essentially ruins her season and then you know other life priorities took over babies and you know growing a yeah. family all, all, all that stuff uh yeah but yeah life stuff gets in the way of racing but uh but yeah, she hurt herself on that aggregate, and it was wild because she was on that Battle Frog show, Karina Coffin. Yeah, Remember both of them were. Yeah, she was, yeah, yeah. And I, I forgot to mention She's earlier, a veteran. I love <laughs> when you're telling some of your athletic bio. I loved all the your name and brands that are no longer around. All these like throwback brands, like from the early yeah. days of OCR. It's just a good jog yeah. down memory lane. So ABF Mud Run. I don't know if you, that was in Jersey. That was like yeah. a permanent course. Uh, and now Bone Frog. <laughs> I yeah, tried to use ABF Mud Run for OCR America 1, and they were like, no, we're actually closing our doors like this oh. year. And I was like, oh, oh. that's unfortunate. But uh, yeah. I never I never got to go there. Uh, uh, it was a cool race. I think actually somebody said he popped up again on social media and, and reached out to my friend. So ABF might come back. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. We'll see. Yeah. So how many, uh, how many tactile games are there? Uh, and Tactical Games is the brand, yes? Is, yes, or, Tactical um, Games is the brand. And actually, there's a competitor. There's two competitors that I know of, but I haven't done their events. One is called The Proving Grounds. Okay. And another one is called uh, Patriot Games. Gotcha. So there are two other uh, companies. Yeah. Cool. It sounds, like, it sounds like a really cool event, a really unique event. Um, yeah. And the, the community is pretty cool, just like OCR community. Uh, when you're at the event, everybody is like the pit is kind of like in the parking lot and everybody's pretty much stationed at their vehicles, almost like a tailgate. Everybody's got pop-up tents and your table set up because that's where you go after each battle because you'll, you'll wait like it might be three to five hours between it, battles. Mm. So there's a lot of downtime of, to watch other people, to hang out. Sometimes they'll ask you to uh, like uh, referee. I guess you'd call it the next battle group that goes. So you'll be on the firing line and make sure everybody's being safe and make sure they're shooting the right sequence. 
nice. so it's, it's it's a cool community to get into and especially with the training online everybody's sharing their like training tips and that's uh, pretty cool how much of the get just I, I don't expect hard numbers from your estimation like what percentage is like OCR people crossing over what percentage is like CrossFit crossing over what percentage is like uh, you know military police guys uh, I would say military and police is probably I would say probably 60% maybe. Mm-hmm. And then let's say uh, 30% is CrossFit and then 10% is OCR. Okay. Probably. That's pretty close. Yeah. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. You know, yeah. as a, as a military, so the, you know, all that, you obviously, you have to bring your own rifle, right? Or Correct. Yes. Gun, yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, right there, that's a fairly uh, small community. That stuff. <laughs> That's a substantial yeah. barrier to entry, right? Is it, that stuff's expensive. Yeah, yeah and it matters what state you're in. Yeah, you know? that's true. Too. So for like, so for your loadout, some battles you might have to have six mags of each. Mm. You know, so that you got to have not only you have to have the firearm, you're going to have to have at least six magazines, and a pistol mag might be thirty, forty dollars. So now you're looking at that investment in magazines and the traveling for it. Traveling, so yeah. How much is it for race entry? Uh, it's I think it's between three and it's like maybe three hundred fifty. Let's say. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah it's not, but it is not... it. It's it's a little expensive, but it's two days long. So it is two days, lot, yeah. You know? And you're doing multiple events over the two days, so I exactly. Mean, if you, that's if you look at some of the other you know multi day events we have in OCR. That's to me that's comparable. So that seems yeah. reasonable. Um, yeah. And you are beat up. I'm gonna tell you by the. I mean, I do a lot of racing and training, but at the end of day one, you're like, all right, my body feels it. And at the end of day two, you're like, I'm done. Like, I need to sit down, lay down. I am done. Really? Yeah. So, they push you to your limit. Uh, where was the event you did this year? I did Ohio and West Virginia. Nice. Any plans to do them again or similar or different brand next year? Yeah, I'm actually signed up for the Proving Grounds in like two, three weeks, but I don't oh, think really? I'm going to be able to make it. Yeah, I got to change my plans. But And then next year, I would like to do three or four tactical games. Nice. I'd like cool. to get more into it. Sounds like a really cool event. Any final recommendations you'd say? Let's say someone's listening to this. Maybe they're an OCR athlete uh, is looking to cross over into that tactical games type uh, competition. Any recommendations? Uh, I would say, you know, get your farms and be comfortable. Make sure you're you're safe and comfortable with it. I know a lot of people get their nerves when they go to the range and you're a little uncomfortable. Before you go, make sure you are comfortable with your firearm, mm-hmm. and definitely do dry fire training, just so you're you got that muscle memory of, you know, finger off the trigger and and muscle discipline. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely good advice there. Uh, in the military, you know, we spend so much, like when I went to ranger school, I spent like two months carrying a rifle all the time. And then on my deployments, uh, at least the first couple, I was essentially carrying a rifle all the time. So you forget, I forget that it's not like inherent to anyone who picks up a firearm, right? To me, it's, yeah, yeah I've done it so much. It's like, that's ingrained into my brain. I can't like, even toy guns, I pick up like a, one of my kid's toy gun and like got my finger off the trigger and like my thumbs where like the safety would be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way with that. Um, Yeah. But I mean, it's intense. There's some people that go there 
and they actually quit halfway through the day. They don't show up to the next battle because it was just too much for them oh, between man. the workout and just the intensity of being on that firing line. And the targets, you're not shooting at silhouettes. You are shooting at small – I mean, you're shooting at, let's say, a 100-yard target, and you're shooting at a 9-inch square with the rifle. And then pistol, you're shooting at maybe a 4-inch, like, triangle at maybe 15 yards. Mm. So it's relatively small targets for being that fast because you're shooting under stress. Yeah. So it's – I mean, these guys who are – the winning the elite, they're like unbelievable. Their their shooting skills are off the charts. Yeah, it's insane. It's like watching John Wick. <laughs> is it a reactive target, right? So is it a metal plates that since you have a sound when they when they impact, or are you shooting paper? Shooting paper for most of it. The long, like the long movement shot where you're shooting out to like 400, 500 yards, they'll be steel, and then some of the aggregates will be steel. Gotcha. Like there, there was one in West Virginia. Uh, the name of the battle was El Cartel, and you actually start in an SUV, and you engage targets, metal targets with your rifle, pistol. You got to close the door. You run to the back of the vehicle. You're on cover. You're shooting multiple targets again, and then you have to like drag a dummy into the the trunk and close the door and get back in. It's like a like a scenario, but you're shooting at metal with that. It's really cool. That sounds really cool. You know, the yeah. the Army, you'd be surprised at how little the Army incorporates some of that training. Um, yeah. I think the special operations community where I think you know, we have a little more flexibility with uh, range safety and stuff like that. But like the big Army, the big conventional Army is not as uh, – like you think that would, that would be, in my mind, like, well, this makes the most sense because this simulates what you do in combat. Um, yeah. they don't quite do it as much as people would think. I'll, I'll just say that, um, you know, we do a lot of, we do a lot of blanks and a lot of, you know, practice missions and stuff like that, but like putting it all together with live fire and, um, and physical stress, you know, sometimes I think the army is a little bit too timid on that because they're so safety conscious. Yeah. Um, and not, and I'm sure you guys are doing it very safe. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, sometimes the army is just a little bit, a little bit too safe in my opinion um and then <laughs> but, but then you get to iraq and they like, shouldn't be <laughs> yeah then you get to iraq and they're like uh just head outside the wire watch out there are bombs out there you'll be fine and you're like shouldn't you Gee, give thanks. me more <laughs> shouldn't you give me more than this and they're like be careful they're bad <laughs> that's wild yeah it's it's weird but then like you some like you know in the army they're like uh, if you're gonna drive over 200 miles i need you to submit a pass i was like what you need some a pass? I'm driving to the next major city? Whatever. That's another story, though. That's another, some other stories. Anyway. Uh, sounds um, like tactical games is much more fun. <laughs> it tactical, so the, the, the big thing about, about the Army is we, we're pretty good at sucking the fun out of most things. Uh, yeah. So, like, I love going to the range. Going to the range of the Army is usually not fun, with the exception of special operations. Then it's fun. Uh, again, because we have a little more flexibility, and it's usually a smaller group. Um, jumping out of planes is fun. Jumping out of planes with the army is typically not super fun because there's just a lot of waiting around and there's so many people. Um, but you yeah, know, hurry up and wait, right? Hurry up and wait, exactly, right? You know, yeah. so it's. But it, it, at the end of the day, you know, it's. Um, I don't. I typically don't remember waiting around all day. You just remember the actual experience of like jumping or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing for somebody who wants to first get into it, I would say, 
go to an event and volunteer because they always need volunteers and then you'll get, you know, an event, but you'll be, be able to see how the flow of everything, how it works. You'll be more comfortable for your first time because nothing's going to be that new. So I would say if there's one in your area, definitely go check it out. Volunteer. Gotcha. Good. Another good piece of advice, not only for tactical games, but for really any kind of new sport you're getting into, especially in the ultra scene. Like I know, uh, I know some of the big ultras, if you volunteer at them, a lot of times they'll give you discounted entry or uh, preferred um, entry as far as uh, if it's a raffle, they'll like you increase your number of chances to win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Being at and an aid station, that's kind of fun. Yeah, then you, you get, get to you get to see the suffering. You know, the, the poop show <laughs> that is the aid station of people yeah. looking terrible. And uh, especially for the, the kind of the nuanced, like the complicated ones, like you get out to Badwater where like the heat obviously plays a huge role. I yeah. think you... I think you, you just physically learn a lot being at an event that you um, may have never yeah, done before. You, you could see what's working for some people, what's not, you know, even for like gear and food and fueling and stuff like that. It's yeah, great absolutely. to see what other people are doing. Cool. So let's jump into OCRWC. So you were at the first one, 2014. I was also there. Yes. Um, did you get to, did you get to go to Blue Mountain or uh, London? Any of those ones? I, I went to Blue Mountain. I didn't go to London. I just didn't really want to go to the yeah. UK. I don't know. <laughs> it okay, didn't so appeal to me. Similar experiences to my OCRWC uh, experiences. So just for our listeners, because I don't think people quite realize how much the sports change. Compare 2014 OCRWC to 2022 OCRWC. <sighs> Man, well, first off, to just be part of like the world championship back then when racing was kind of like new, it was like – whoa, what is this? It was, it was pretty interesting. And a lot of the brands were represented there. So Battlefrog, or did Battlefrog have something there that year? Yeah, tip of the spear. There was that, there was a, uh, OCR United was a big thing, right? Yep. Bonefrog yeah. and every, all the OCRs were there. Um, and that course was, was pretty, pretty cool. I mean, it was, there was a lot of like little hill climbs, I'd say, rolling hills, some some nice climbs, a lot of mud. It was in October, so it was chilly. Uh, and those rigs, I mean, it was that was you had to fight to keep your band, as you do every year. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely not a walk in the park. I think so, they had a bucket at that one too, didn't they? You had a bucket carry. Um, was that 2015? Actually, I got the map right here. I, I pulled it off. I had. <laughs> I don't think there was a bucket carry in 2014. I could be wrong. I didn't go in Yes, there was. There was Bucket Carry? Yeah, there was hmm. obstacle number 43. How about that? Don't I have no recollection of that whatsoever. And I think Ice Bug was the sponsor. It was flat. The Bucket Carry was a flat out, like it was a flat, like out and back. Oh, it was in the festival area. Yeah. And the. Uh, this one was at the top. It was right. It was before you went into the slide to go down into the festival area. Okay. Yeah, I have no recollection of this. The wreck yeah. bag carrier was in the festival area. I remember that. Yes. Yep. I have a picture of it. But yeah. so in 2022, they um, – I didn't check the pictures, but apparently the rig we faced in 2022 was the same rig from 2014. Yeah, and it's fun. I think I have, I think I have pictures of me on that one. And I remember in uh, 2014, I had to attempt that one maybe three times. I got through it. I kept my band. I've never lost my band at any 15K. OCR World Championships. Just got to brag a little bit. Nice. Uh, 
but I remember they didn't have bells back then, I don't think. You had to cross, they had the yellow caution tape and you had to jump and like just be on the other side of it. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah I so did. Yeah. I, I had to retry it because I've jumped off and I didn't, I landed like on the tape and they made me redo it. Yeah, the rules have shifted a little over the years, but the, you remember 2014, you know, the, there was one rig and the only other upper body obstacle, like really upper body, there was a short set of monkey bars at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then there was the giant V monkey bars from oh, yes. uh, Mud Guts and Glory that are famous. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. King's Domain. So, yeah, the, the, those were challenging. But besides those three, I think Weaver. Weaver was yeah. tough one just because it was not something that many people saw. Yeah, we, Weaver was tough, but you could essentially rest on the obstacle, right? If you get. Yeah. Um, and then there was like a Tyrolean Traverse too, but yep. that was basically it. And then you compare – when I compare and contrast that to 2022, and you look at this sheer number of grip yeah. obstacles. You know, like, that's such a great point. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. The it sport, wasn't rig after rig after rig like it correct. is now. The sport has such, come such a long way. And in 2015, they were like, we've got a big announcement this year. There's going to be two rigs, and people were losing their yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And now it's like, oh yeah, we have two rigs. Uh, plus we have, you know, ten other grip intensive upper body obstacles. We got canyon, we got stairway with the different holds. We got yeah. the snake pit with the ropes. We got um, skull valley rig. You know, there's just so much. Um, so I think if you're new to the sport and you're having trouble at OCRWC, I would say you know the sport has advanced significantly. So, um, but it, I, I yeah. will say with a little bit of practice and. Uh, focus training you can get you'll you will the growth rate of the sport is slower than a person who can come in and really like apply themselves so you, you might have a, a rocky beginning but if you, you know if you lost the band no big deal uh you know yeah focus reapply and you know come back next year yeah i don't think 2014 me would be able to handle 2022's ocr worlds course. no me. i don't think <laughs> that was intense uh, i would say I don't think tw- I think 2016 would probably be for me would be like when I could handle 2022 worlds. Uh, probably, I don't think 2014 or 2015 agree. for me. Um, yeah. It was just too, you know, maybe end of 2015, but I, I don't think so. I think 20, 2016 version yeah. of me can handle it. But. Also, the rigs, you know, the rigs at the other races weren't really. I mean, Battlefrog always had a tough rig. They yeah. were like they were my favorite when they were around. They always had something tough. They always had crazy upper body stuff now it seems like savage is becoming that kind of uh guy yeah uh except for the laches i just don't like the laches mm. that's just me so we're still not quite at ninja level and i don't think we oh. quite ever will just because you need a lot more throughput for an ocr obstacle versus a ninja obstacle that you can reset after everyone uh yeah. but it is substantially harder than it was a couple of years ago i'll say that absolutely and- you know, in 2014, we had there was that one rig, like we was talking about, and it yeah. literally obliterated the field. Like, you know. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Nine women, nine pro women kept their band. I remember. Um, yeah. And then the the men's field was probably cut in half. You know, it was just like. Um, yeah. Versus now, like you look at the pro field, and there's very few um, pros that end up losing their band at. Uh, yeah. Or even have to read like, or have to redo an obstacle more than once. You know, it's just. Uh, 
What's what's funny to me is I remember when Gibbons first came out and I was in the festival area and everybody was like, oh my God, what is this? And it, I think a lot of people had problems with it. I had a problem with it because I just can't monkey swing with my bad shoulder. But now like this year, Gibbons was like on the far side of the mountain. It was just like, oh yeah, it's whatever. It's just a whatever obstacle now. Right. Like that was tough when that first came out. Everybody was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel you with the with the bad shoulder also. I'm in the same boat. I, I end up two handing the givens a lot of the times where I Yeah, that's that's the only way I get through it. I have to two hand it and I actually will get the prior dowel and I'll have to switch it in my hands as I'm hanging and then go the same way. Mm, interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, so you're always leading with the right essentially or the left, whatever. I always yeah, lead with my left. Yeah. I can't hang and swing on my left. I oh, can hang and swing on my right, but my left – I had shoulder surgery like two years ago. It's its good now, but I still can't hang from it. Just gotcha. Everything's got to be muscling through shit. If you have a video of you doing that technique training or during a race, I would love to see it and share it. I think some people might might benefit yeah, from that. Or if, if you don't have one yet and you next time you go to see Gibbons, you know, uh, shoot one. I have, I have Gibbons at my house. Okay. I never practice it, but I have it, so I'll, I'll uh, definitely get you a video of that. Yeah, shoot one because I think people, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are in a similar boat, um, and I think seeing other techniques where it's like I don't have to monkey swing, single arm, you know, max max extension, uh, yeah. way to get across. I think that would be really helpful. So we'll we'll try to share that uh, uh, either from your personal page and or reshare to Strength and Speed or from Strength and Speed. So yeah, make sure you're watching that. Figure it out. Uh, but when we were in 2022, when we were coming up to that. 2014 rig and then there was the rig that was kind of like its sister next to it i thought we had to do those back to back i I was i got up to and i was like oh my god i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do these two back to back (laughs) luckily we didn't have to we did that one later on after we came back down the mountain but i came up to it and my stomach dropped i was like two rigs back to back what (laughs) (laughs) that was a tough course though man i think that might be the toughest ocr course i've have done and i've done quite a few yeah, I agree. You know, the OCRWC this year, to me, had the best obstacles uh, we've ever seen. Uh, I think the 15K was the best version of the obstacles. I thought the 100 meter was the best version we've seen. The yes. 3K, I would say the, the obstacles were the best. But to me, the 2019 um, North American Championships course was the best. I don't know if you were at that one. Yeah, I was at that one. Okay. Yeah, I think that was – was that the first time Legaff? Oh, no, 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 that wasn't the first time Legaff was there. No, t- 2019 at Stratton, instead of starting on the left side of the mountain like we did this year, we started on the right side of the mountain, and we basically went up and then across. So there was the 3K, there was very little – I don't say very little. There wasn't significant elevation gain like there was the last two years where you essentially ran up the mountain. And to me, that's that's a little better because then it's like, you know, who's the best 3K runner for speed, and then 15K is like who's the best mountain runner. Yes. As opposed to like – go for it. I hope there's – I'm a mountain guy. I like Killington. I love Killington, Ultra Beast. Uh, but I would lo- love it to have less climbing next year for the OCR Worlds. I think yeah. we should have a uh, like a hill course instead of a mountain course. I think we got to change it up a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, – I don't know about we'll, – we'll see what next year brings. But I know – I know there's plans in the future to move to other locations um, that yeah. will significantly change the terrain. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out over the next couple of years. 
I'm I excited though. Thinking, oh, I am too. I'll be there no matter what. Uh, I was thinking about the evolution of the sport though. 2014 and 15, nobody had jerseys for their countries, or at least Amer- like Legendborn. I don't even think Legendborn was really a thing yet. No. And the venue didn't have a village. It was like a regular race. Yeah. Kind of went there and that was that. And then 2016, when it was in Canada, that's when it became like what it is now with you got your village, everybody's hanging out all day. It's like the Olympics. Everybody's got their flags and their jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, that's yeah, really absolutely cool. right. Yeah. I, I really like the Blue Mountain Village. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, from, uh, if anyone's, I get, from, from my understanding, the event company that's up there is not the easiest to work with, which is why we haven't gone back, is my understanding. Okay. Uh, so I think Spartan is there now, though. I believe they are. I think last year they had uh, uh, maybe a trifecta weekend there. I know they had really? an archer there. Yeah. It's a great, a great venue. I mean, they for those of you who've been to Stratton and not Blue Mountain, the the Blue Mountain Village is what like four or five times the size. I mean, it's yeah, huge, it's right? Wider, yeah. You actually have a choice of where you you eat as opposed to being like should we eat at <laughs> Mulligans, yeah, or Mulligans again, yeah, exactly. Although Mulligans is very good, I I be I eat there basically every meal for dinner and uh, I enjoy it every time. Yeah, I can't so. complain. It's pretty good. Yeah, my uh, my upper body is still sore from that course, which is surprising. Actually, yeah. I took this week off. I have the Jersey Ultra tomorrow, so I took off this week to recover fully for it. Nice. Uh, and my arms definitely still feel like my elbows, my joints are still feeling it from that upper body stuff. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about uh, your company, atlastraining.net, and where the people can find out more and gonna, what services you offer, et cetera. Yeah, so uh, Atlas Training is kind of my side business. I train a couple guys after work. We do like a group training in Monroe, New Jersey. We'll train at the parks in town and even in my driveway. I'm working at getting an uh, indoor spot on the property. I have two like C-Box trailers that I'm about to gut out and put a gym in there. So, uh, But we train all year round, and it's outside all year round. I started it up in uh, winter of 2019, and uh, COVID really, with all the gyms closing, that's when I got all my business. So it's kind of like a passion project, but uh, I got to train with a lot of cool guys, meet some new people in town, so it's been really cool. And I got them into racing a little bit. A couple of the guys, uh, they did uh, DECA, uh, the stadium race, Goliathon. So hopefully I'm getting the next generation of OCR guys out. Nice. And where are you located? Monroe, New Jersey. Actually, I am about 10 minutes from Englishtown Raceway Park, where the OG World's Toughest was. That's right. right. Right there. So Rugged Maniac was there this year. Uh, Tough Mudder did yes. not return. So Englishtown keeps selling off more of their venue, yeah. and it makes it Tough Mudder's course like doesn't fit on the property anymore. Like Which is unfortunate because that was, I mean, that was like the birthplace almost back in the day. Yeah, know? I mean, it's you no, know, it's not. It is the it's the birthplace of ultra OCR, right? Like the first yeah. Tough Mudder invented ultra OCR. That was the first one. Uh, yeah, English town remember, people had no idea what they were doing. No, like few nobody knew about to have a wetsuit. Yeah, yeah, that was not a thing yet. Like, who thought I'm going to run in a wetsuit? You don't do that. Yeah, I remember when I first heard that, I was like, there's no way people run in red suit. That's not – you can't you, – like, you'll overheat. You'll die. And then uh, – Yeah. Well, if it's 
December and you're running multi-lap through water and ice, then no, you won't die. Uh, yeah. But and a so I, I didn't run in any of those. I was signed up for the last one they were going to have there, and then they moved to Vegas. So I never ran World's Toughest 10 minutes for me, which is unfortunate. But I would go watch, and I remember going to cheer on Joe Young Pack when he was like ultra OCR, like, you know, OG winner. Yeah, and then I was there champion, when, yeah. when Atkins won his first one. I, I couldn't, I was like, Team Joe Young Pack. And then this guy Atkins wins, and I'm like, who is this guy? This young guy beat Joe Young Pack. Like, what? It was crazy. And yeah. it was cold. Oh, it was freezing cold. There was ice on stuff. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I mean that yeah. was. And then, uh, then Ryan never lost another Ultra yeah. OCR since. Yeah, and so... he's been the goat, the greatest. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So... Unbelievable. Yeah, crazy how much stuff has changed over the years. Also, yeah. crazy. Also, like the number of times I've been at the same venue as you is is preposterous because I've been right. Yeah, that I I didn't get to go to English Town either. I was I was supposed to go that last year in in New Jersey, and mm-hmm. due to the military, I had to work that weekend. So I I essentially deferred it a year to yeah here in Vegas. So pretty fun. And, and that's the other thing. I I really do like the old Tough Mudder courses versus the newer ones. I, I like some of the older obstacles. Um. And even just the pit, even some of the obstacles from like say 2017, like King of Swingers, those like big ones. Yeah. Uh, I kind of don't like the newer courses over the past few years. Yeah, you know, um, I th- I think part of it is part of it's the primacy effect, right? So whatever you see first, you're going to be a little mm-hmm. more affectionate to. Uh, I'd say secondary. I mean, King of Swingers was better, right? Because it was enormous. Yeah. But oh, it also it means massive. it was. It also means it was more expensive. Um, so I get it. Right. Um, yeah. and I, you know, that was around that obstacle appeared right around the time, uh, CBS started covering the events, mm-hmm. um, and they had some pretty major sponsors. So I'm guessing yeah. there was a significant increase in cash flow, and, uh, they were still on the rise of, uh, more people at every event event. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll take how, what we can how, get at this. Point. How about in Vegas? I liked in Vegas that one year, uh, where they kept changing obstacles overnight. Like every few hours, like some of the obstacles were changing like drastically. It was really cool how they were like mixing it up. And then they had Kong was that one where it's like a barrel with all yeah. the rings hanging off of it. That was so cool. Kong Infinity. Yeah. I want to so say that awesome. was 2017 because I was running a team with uh, Wesley Kerr that year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, start wrapping it up. Why don't you tell me something people would be surprised to know about you? Let's go with that. I kind of have a pet deer. I saw it on Instagram the other yeah. day, and I was very uh, confused. Please yeah. explain. Uh, well, I have a couple chickens, and one night I was in the backyard messing with my rig that I have, and I saw something by the chickens, and it was kind of tall. I thought it was a coyote, and I've never seen a coyote on my property and I get closer, and it's a baby deer. And it came right up to me, and it, like, licked my hand. I was like, what is this? This is crazy. And the little guy's been coming back ever since. It's been since, uh, I think, the end of June. That's wild. So I see him every day. He comes up to me. He lost his spots. He's starting to get little antlers. Um, I thought it was a girl at first, so I named him or named her Penelope. And then I guess his balls finally dropped because I saw, you know, his junk. 
So now his name is Baratheon from the Gate Little Game of Thrones reference. Nice. That's really yeah. funny. So I'd say that's my uh, fun fact is uh, I have a pet deer. So I will share – I do not have a pet deer. I will share a – it's not really a fun story. Um, so in the military, this is one of my friends. So when you go into uh, Sears School, Survival, Escape, Resistance, mm-hmm. Invasion, that's the one where they, they essentially you do wilderness survival, and then they teach you like a POW the last couple of days. So my friend's group is not my group. Uh, my close friend's group is walking through the woods. They're a group of like five dudes. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you carry, uh, you know, like a two foot stick on you. Um, mm-hmm. Because the idea is if you see like a bunny or something, you can sometimes throw it and literally hit the bunny and like stun it enough to go essentially kill the bunny. And then you can eat the bunny after you cook it. Um, so that's the, that's the plan. It doesn't usually pan out that way. <laughs> um, so, my friend is walking – my friend's group is walking through the woods, and they're, you know, they've got like a two-foot stick. And um, this dude, um, they're, they're all walking. It's like super quiet. He steps over a log and looks down and just starts swinging his stick, right? <laughs> and uh, they're like, dude, what are you doing? And he picks up a, a baby deer. After, after he essentially oh. – he bludgeoned a baby deer to death. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and he's like, yeah? And they're like, yeah. Wow. So, they so were, yeah, venison. They were super excited. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a lot bigger than a, a bunny. That's that's a good meal. <laughs> so they, they were uh, – yeah, because if you, anything you kill, essentially, you can, uh, you can then cook it later. And yeah. uh, you have food because you don't really eat for several days. It's not very pleasant. But yeah. Um, yeah. They really want you to be a PO, get that POW experience. Yeah, but that was that was that's my baby. Yeah, baby deer story, of my it, friend. It, and, and they ended up carrying it because they they had to wait for the instructor to like essentially make sure you're not eating rotten meat or something. So they ended up carrying yeah. this like babe, dead baby deer in a bag for oh, like a day. That's um, brutal. It's not really a fun story, but <laughs> yeah, um, interesting it, story. Everybody's like, oh, it's you know, it's hunting season. You better watch out. Put a collar on it. I was like. If they shoot at the deer, I'm shooting back at them. I'm, I do tactical games. Come on. Like, <laughs> the deer couldn't have found a better guy to protect them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. We're going to start get going. Any uh, final shout-outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors? Um... Uh, so I did pick up uh, Mudgear Sponsor. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're, you're sponsored by them too, right? Yeah. We're going to conflicting coupon codes, uh, Zach15, for, uh, for my code. Yeah, picked up uh, Mud Gear. I used to be sponsored by Spy Belt back in the day. I miss them. They were they were pretty cool. Um, and just Atlas Endurance. Follow the Instagram. Gotcha. Follow yeah, me I'm, on Instagram. I'm a I'm a big fan of Spy Belt. I bought one of their belts probably 15 years ago, and I treat it worse than any other piece of gear on the planet, and it is still working, which is shocking. Yeah, that's the same way. I was sponsored by them in 2015. They gave me some some free stuff, and I bought some stuff. I still use it. I'll be using it tomorrow in the Ultra. As a business, they need to make their products less good, so people have to buy them more. Um, yeah, right. As a consumer, I appreciate the durability. Yeah, though. and maybe they should sponsor me again. <laughs> yeah, well, so everyone drops some tags yeah. for spy belts in the, in the yeah. comment here. Yeah. All right, well, I appreciate uh, yeah. you coming on. Yeah, so just follow me on Instagram, and you can see me. I usually race like almost 40 times a year every year, so I'm always somewhere. Gotcha. Yeah, busy man, busy man. Yeah.
All right, for our listeners, uh, head over to TeamStrengthSpeed.com. I've got uh, Blegmitz and Snock. For those of you who are at OCR World Championships, I did not bring enough because I was not expecting everyone to try to buy some uh, at the same time uh, Friday morning. But I do have plenty in stock at the online store at TeamStrengthSpeed.com. Also, if you were at OCRWC 37's Custom Apparel, so Daniel uh, Daniel's – I'm not going to pronounce his last name. Daniel's Patch Shop. Uh, he gave me a couple of those patches, so we're selling them also off TeamStrengthSpeed.com. So while you're picking up Blegmits or books, yeah, you can also pick up uh, some of the Daniel's custom patches there, like I Heart Peeing in My Wetsuit and uh, Hard No and uh, Worst Hobby Ever. A lot of fun. If you're into that, like that rucking or that patch community or that, uh, you know, you just want to add some spice to your world's toughest mutter bib this year, you can head over and uh, while you're picking up some Blegmits or books, you can order add some patches to the order there. Uh, Daniel's site, 30, 37's uh, Custom Apparel also has a, a wider array if you're uh, looking for something specific that I don't have. Or say I have some Velcro and some non-Velcro. I think he's got both options on his site. So pick him up from me, pick him up from him, wherever he's been a long-time supporter of the community as well. So uh, we try to support people who support our community. And then if you like the tactical games talk or any of the random seer stories or stuff like that, you can pick up my book, Ultra OCR Man. It's on uh, hard copy, digital, and audible. Uh, I've got some audible codes to give away uh, i'm not sure how i should do that but i have some codes to give away also if you're from the uk just shoot me a message you have a friend from the uk shoot me a message i literally have a bunch of uk codes that i'm never going to use uh so anyone from the uk i will just give you a code don't need anything from you all right uh what else uh, where, where are we going to go for it Zach. there's there's two two guys to follow if you want to know more about tactical games the one guy is jacob hepner he runs Grit Tactical. He's like a crazy CrossFit dude, but he wins. Like He's basically like Ryan Atkins of Tactical Games. So Jacob Hepner, he has a couple Instagrams. And then a dude I competed with in West Virginia, he runs uh, Tactical Cowboy out of Utah. So you could find him on Instagram. So cool guys. Random story about Jacob Hepner. I want to say he trained at uh... – so the the place where we shot the Mudgear commercial for mm-hmm. Mudgear Made Tougher, like the CrossFit gym, you'll see some uh, like on my Instagram feed. There's always or the, my Facebook feed. There's always a picture of uh, a guy rowing, and then there's like a picture of me walking, and there's uh, there's some wall ball stuff. If you watch, if you yeah. go to Mudgear Made Tougher video on YouTube, um, so the owner of that gym is a guy named Dave. Uh, he knows Jacob Hepner, okay. and then when we when we went to we did last conquer the gauntlet pro team takeover weekend we did in 2020 it was like march of 2020 like mm-hmm. literally the weekend before everything shut down yeah we, we uh so we worked out at rokc gym in uh kansas city and oh, then yeah, we went yeah. to the shooting range which is directly behind there and we were at, at the range shooting and jacob hebner was there with like he was at he was at for some random bachelor party um <laughs> But, what are the odds? Yeah, so I I didn't recognize him, yeah. but uh, uh, Chris Balvin uh, recognized him. It was like, oh, dude, uh, and I was like, oh, is that? So the, the owner comes up to him, he's like, you guys do uh, CrossFit or something? And we're like, no, OCR. Yeah. And it's like, and Chris is like, that that group does CrossFit, CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like it was like all these like random fit dudes um, hanging out at the shooting range, uh, shooting on lanes next to each other. Kind of random. Yeah, right? that's so funny. What are the odds of that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to get going. 
Zach, thanks again right. for joining me. I will see you at World's Toughest in a couple of weeks, yes? Yeah, World's Toughest. I'll be at the Ultra Beast this weekend. Got 100 mile the weekend after. That could fit in uh, November in Atlantic City. And that's pretty much it for the year. I follow the uh, Billy Richards method of just stacking races upon races. I like exactly. it. Exactly. I'm figuring the 100 mile will get me in good contention for uh, World's Toughest, right? <laughs> if you recover or burn, from time. Or, or burn me out. Yeah. yeah. I like well, rolling the dice. <laughs> Go, go big or go home. I like it. Exactly. All right. <laughs> All right. Good, good catching up with you. We'll see you around. Thank you. I'll, I'll see you. Bye-bye.